0: Morning, everyone. Uh, I'm so glad that you came as we open the Bible together. Uh, this is another episode of Let's Open the Bible with me, Gavin Pratt, and uh, Pastor Russ Russell Fox. As uh, we're going to get back into Luke, we are uh, in chapter 11, verse 4. And before we pray, I, I do want to say that we have left so much meat on the bone. Uh, as we study this text, that is all, it is almost negligence. But the point of this podcast is that we open our Bibles together and we discuss it uh, briefly. And I pray that we are encouraging you to dig in more deeply yourself. When we uh, stop, when we hit stop on the, the recording of these episodes, we both pray that you meditate on God's law day and night, that you continue to keep your Bible open that the Word of Christ would be dwelling in you richly, that you would be meditating on His Word and preaching and teaching and speaking what accords with sound doctrine in your life to the people around you. So uh, this this may be just a way to get together with brothers in Christ and, um, and learn a little and get a jump start to your day. I, I, I actually pray and hope that you got up early this morning and prayed and read your Bible on your own before you even started listening to this. But uh, regardless, we're glad that you're here uh, as we dig in. Brother Russ, would you like to open us in a word of prayer?
1: Absolutely. Thank you. Uh, Father, we thank you again for today. This week has been so encouraging and just amazing uh, to sit and, and look at your word and, and consider the truth. Father, I pray that each one of us, uh, Lord, would be a, a Psalms 1 uh, type of person, Lord, that we would uh, meditate on your word and delight in it. And, uh, Lord, that you would grow us in the knowledge of, of grace and truth of Jesus Christ, that Father, uh, your light, the light of Christ, Father, would be so evident in our lives that others would glorify you. And uh, so, Lord, uh, as we get into this today, Father, I I just pray that this would be encouraging for us and for those that might listen to this, Lord, that you'd be glorified. We thank you. We love you. We praise you, Lord. We ask this in Christ's name.
0: Amen. Amen.
1: Well, Luke 11, (laughs) verse 4. We've made it to verse 4.
0: Yeah, we're moving right along.
1: What does that say to us, Kevin?
0: Um, well, it, I'll be honest, it's confusing. It's, it's really, really tough. Um, we know that God is not tempted, nor does he tempt, and yet this is a prayer from Jesus. It's it's red letter. Uh, I say that a little bit tongue-in-cheek. We believe that all Scripture is God-breathed and profitable. Uh, but it is; these are the words of Jesus, and he's crying out to his Father in heaven, and he's asking him to lead us not into temptation. Uh, Russ, is there any place in Scripture that you can think of that that God leads people into temptation?
1: Nothing immediately comes to mind, although one could say James chapter 1. Okay. You know, we talked a little bit about this, uh, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, and then later it talks about temptations, and actually it's the same Greek Greek word or or root word, uh, trials and temptations. And so, um, you know, some might argue that, but I can't think of another example.
0: Well, if you look at Luke 4, 1, And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Yeah. It seems that Jesus was the driven one into temptation, into trials. uh, And he was tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and so, uh, uh, again, I, maybe if you can if you can couple these all of these ideas together, maybe we can get uh, a, a better feel for this text. And and everybody listening, let me be the first to say. Um, The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things that are revealed to us and to our children, and I struggle at times to know what is a secret thing that is beyond my small little brain to understand, and what is a revealed thing that I ought to be digging into a little bit more uh, for a little better understanding. So let's not bail out too early. Maybe this is a a, a thing that we'll never fully understand, but let's not bail out too early.
1: Well, you know, Hebrews talks about how um, Jesus identifies with us in our temptations though he did not sin. And uh, we, we know that the crucifixion had to happen, that the scriptures would be fulfilled. You know, it, it seems to me that, it, and while it is odd when we read the, the temptation of Christ, it would, it would be odd to those uh, who read it to say, okay, wait a minute, the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted? Uh, he allowed, Jesus allowed himself to be tempted by Satan? Uh, that, that does seem odd, humanly speaking, that just seems really, really odd to us. But there's clearly a purpose behind that. And it seems to me that part of the purpose behind that is that he would identify with us, yet remain perfect, because he is our example. He says, be holy as I am holy, to be perfect as I am perfect. And we fall far short of that. I do. I, you know, I assume you do as well.
0: Uh, <laughs> far, far short of that. But, but, I, I, I yeah, and maybe that, that is helpful to those listening today, is that um, in James when it says count it all joy when you fall into various? And I'm going to change the word in English uh, that's usually used to use the the parazzo, uh, the parazzo type temptation word. Um, so count it all joy when you fall into various temptations. Count it. Uh, uh, welcome those trials. Welcome those times of temptation when you're driven out into the wilderness where you can say, God, I'm relying on you. Yeah. I'm trusting you. I'm obeying you. I'm making you look beautiful more than the temptation. You are, you are more uh, appealing to me than any temptation that is placed in front of me. And as the world looks at, at you in the midst of this trial, making much of God, he is glorified. Um, and so, uh, I, I mean, maybe I think of, of Peter when it, at, the, at the restoration and reinstitution of Peter, He's kind of looking at that other disciple and he says, what about him? And Jesus says, don't worry about this. You're going to glorify me by this death. That you're, and, and that sounds like a, a, a temptation for Peter to avoid that death. Uh, and, and, and Jesus is saying, no, that is an opportunity, a, a trial that you're going to go through that will make much of, of me. Um, and so... Uh, but let's maybe let's get back to 11.4 because as much as we've allowed for temptation being a beautiful thing, Jesus is praying specifically, lead us not into temptation.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's right. I think a big part of this is understanding that God has ultimate authority over evil, over death, over sin, over temptations. He has ultimate authority. He is sovereign and omnipotent. And I think a big aspect of prayer that maybe we aren't thinking of consciously every time we we pray is we are humbling ourselves to an all uh, powerful God. And we are seeking his help. You know, we're acknowledging his sovereignty, his authority, his omnipotence. And that's obviously in play here. We need him because we are going to be tempted.
0: Yeah. Um, th- this may be the logoria that I'm often accused of, the, the running of the mouth. I'll clean it up a little bit. The running of the mouth that is, that is excessive. Uh, but I'm going to throw a lot of things at you, and, and you can weed through them or clarify some, or we could just close for the day. But, but uh, Job, um, so you have this sovereign God that you've spoken of, right? And it seems that the devil gets more attention in the book of Job. Right, but but, but let's look at it in light of Luke four that what what God is responsible for, what God is sovereign over, is so a maybe more uh, biblical way of wording it. The devil appears only in the first two chapters, and Job doesn't ever really seem to recognize him. The devil only does what God allows, and in fact, God seems to provoke the devil uh, to, to consider his servant Job. The devil is the destroyer, so he's the secondary means by which destruction happens, and he's the one that kind of ruins the things that are going on in Job. But again, only at the sovereign permission, the permissive will of God. Next, for the rest of the book... Everybody is talking about God and directing Job to consider God. And even though the devil seems to be the one that destroyed and took and 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 uh, afflicted Job, Job says to God, "Though you slay me, yet I will trust in you," because he knows God sits on that throne. Uh, and then, but he still wants to plead his case before Him. When Job thirty-eight happens, uh, Job comes before the throne of God. He says, "And and." I guess in the modern vernacular, in the modern language, Job is told to put on your big boy pants. You wanted an audience with me? Well, now you've got it. So gird up your loins like a man. You come before me. And God just says, where were you? Man, when I laid the foundation of the earth, you weren't there. You don't even know what you're talking about. So Job goes through all of these afflictions. The devil is an afterthought. Uh, And then you get to Job 42. and, And you see that God was correcting some bad thinking of Job, some bad theology, but also giving him grounds to worship God in a new and richer way. So it's that's the benefit. And then, interestingly enough, the friends have to go and comfort Job for all of the evil or calamity or destruction. And it's an interesting thing in Job 42 that the Lord had done. And it's the Tetragrammaton, Yahweh, Lord, no, no mistake, it's the Lord. That the Lord had... Uh, as the primary cause of all things, though he uses secondary means like the devil, that God had worked this beautiful thing in Job's life that had brought a deeper intimacy between Job and the Lord and better understanding of God through this trial, tribulation, temptation, and suffering. Because it's a temptation because Job's wife is like, just curse God. I mean, let's just deal with this and be done with it. That's the temptation know I rambled a lot to bring it back to what you said much better, more succinctly. God reigns. Amen. And do we trust him? Yeah. And and uh, and and then the the quote I'm gonna steal from Tim Keller that we would answer our prayers like God answers our prayers if we knew what God knows. Wow.
1: That's good. I hadn't heard that quote. But something you said kind of sparked that. That question that I kind of want to leave people with. Do you trust God with your temptations and your trials? That ultimately he is at work for his glory and he's at work for our good. Do you trust God? As, As you go into the weekend and opportunities present themselves that might not otherwise, and perhaps you're tempted, or perhaps you have a flat tire on a rainy day, whatever it is, do you trust God in that moment? to glorify him and to remain faithful to grow in your faith and grace and knowledge of the truth of Jesus Christ because we are going
0: to face temptations we are going to face trials in this world you will have tribulations may I steal back some time from the distinguished gentleman from Thomasville uh not only do you trust him he has provided you a way of escape that's exactly if right. if if anybody If anybody hears me today and says, oh, so temptations are a good thing of God and I can give in to them, I hope you heard uh, Brother Fox say, absolutely not. He has not only placed them in your life, but he's equipped you uh, to deal with them, empowered you to deal with them, but he has provided you a way of escape too. Amen to that. We need that. Yeah. And Jesus is our ultimate escape. Amen. Perfect. Perfect.
1: Have a blessed weekend. And throughout this weekend, I hope that you will open the Bible and meditate on God's Word. Perfect. All right.